are Mike Yo and Chuck Fletcher repeating some of their mistakes from their Minnesota Wild days in Philadelphia. We find out that and more to preview tonight's game against the Flyers today on Locked on Wild. You're Locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a special crossover edition of Locked On Wild and Locked On Flyers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Wild and Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. Just as a reminder, both shows are free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's crossover episode, we catch up with Rachel and Russ of the Lockdown Flyers podcast, get some lowdown on the Flyers so far this year with a lot of uh, Minnesota Wild-related coaches uh, on the staff. We'll also talk about some uh, of the keys to the matchup and trade deadline as well. My name is Seth Topal, host of Lockdown Wilds, veteran captain of the Lockdown Wild podcast, and joined, as mentioned, by Russ and Rachel from the Locked On Flyers podcast. Welcome. How's everybody doing? Good. Pretty good. Now we're going to start on the wild side, and um, I've got some questions that are Flyers related uh, for you to uh, to get it going. Obviously, Mike Yo, John Torchetti, Chuck Fletcher um, have Minnesota Wild ties. My first question is, you know, the Flyers are going through this season and looking ahead to, you know, what does the group look like after this year? Obviously made a coaching change in season, and Mike Yo is the interim head coach. Has he been given any consideration for the full-time job uh, going into next season and beyond? No. I'm going to say, yeah, the answer is no. <laughs> I think that it's very clear based on the performance of the team that while he says all of the right things and he knows exactly what's wrong with this team, he cannot get them to perform. And that's just the bottom line here. And the management, Chuck Fletcher, have been saying we're putting off the coaching search and decision until the offseason. So that has been made abundantly clear. But it's very obvious that they're just going to ride out the rest of the season with Mike Yo and then try and find whoever in the offseason. It's the same Mike Yo who represented the Minnesota Mild back in the day. And that's why you no longer have any of those coaches there or GMs. Or yeah. Whatever. And, and you know when you when you said it like that that a hundred percent is what we saw here, which which led to him being dismissed is knowing what the problems are, not being able to get players to fix those problems. So right that uh, that certainly is a familiar refrain from uh, his final months here as uh, Minnesota Wild head coach. Um, obviously on the uh, the Wild side, keeping an eye on Claude Giroux uh, as we get closer to the trade deadline. Has his play increased as teams have started to become more interested in his services or, or has have his numbers started to kind of cool down? What's what's the status of the guy that's going to come in and uh, help reboot this wild season? I think he's been playing like Claude Giroux. I think that he has had a really strong season for him this year. Uh, you know, it's not a ridiculous amount of scoring because that's not him anymore. He's a playmaker. 
And I think, you know, as long as he's been on the wing, that's been a really positive thing for him. And he's just been continuing that all season long. And he is who he is. Everybody knows that. And I think this whole process for him has been genuinely heartbreaking. And so I don't think he's thinking that far in the future. I mean, obviously, I'm not a mind reader, but I think he knows it's happening, but he's just living in the moment right now and so he's just playing like he always plays and he works extremely hard and he tries to make positive things happen out there and this team being the way it is sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't yeah he's trying to keep it positive and and he is still a really good player he's making cam atkinson a better player as an example he, he may not put up all the points but he's winning a ton of faceoffs. he's playing good defense he he is doing everything a player of his magnitude can do with the limited amount of talent that's around him. Okay. Um, just a quick follow-up to that. I, I did see somebody mention there may be a chance if he is traded that he were to re-up with Philly after the year. Is that a possibility? I don't think so. I think for him, my guess is he'll want to close that door. But sure. also, I don't think the Flyers are in a position cap-wise to make that's it work. That's the big reason, yeah. That makes sense. Um, with this season being kind of a, a – it, it hasn't been a great season for the Flyers. Nobody nobody's surprised or is going to be shocked to hear that. But obviously there have to have been some bright spots so far this year or some young players that have, uh, have gotten some playing time and have done something with it. So have there been some, uh, some gems that have shown through uh, so far this season uh, on the Flyers roster? Here's what I'll say about it while, while Rachel's making good faces, <laughs> and I appreciate it. There should have been some gems uh, if Morgan, Riley, uh, Morgan Frost, Morgan Riley, Morgan Frost's usage were correct. Uh, he would probably be showing a lot better right now if Isaac Ratcliffe could get more than seven minutes a game uh, he, or eight minutes a game. He could show a lot, a lot more right now if Cam York was allowed to come back up and replace, I don't know, a worn out Keith Yandel or Nick Sealer, who you can't take out of the lineup. You know that you remember him, um, all those things. Then there might've been some gems, but they haven't allowed there to be any gems up to this point, And it's puzzling. Yeah, that's exactly spot on Russ. I think that there were so many opportunities to create moments for these kids to establish themselves in the NHL, and it just hasn't happened. I would say that if you want to expand beyond younger guys and look at the team overall, I would say Carter Hart's season recovery has been a bright spot to show that he is, he's not the elite, elite goaltender, but I don't think he, he was ever going to be that. I think he's a very solid NHL goaltender and the losses that the Flyers are having are for the most part, not his fault. So I'm very pleased with Carter Hart's performance this year. Um, to, I, I got to ask about Chuck Fletcher, because if I recall correctly, he got the, we, we always look for an owner giving a general manager, the dreaded like vocal vote of confidence in, uh, in seasons that are, uh, that are in transition uh, is Fletcher, what, what sort of temperature is, uh, is Fletcher's seats? Is he going to get the off season to try to get this Flyers roster back on track? Where, where are things at with Chuck Fletcher, uh, as Flyers GM? I mean, I could start with this and just say the, his temperature is as 
even and mild as it is aggressiveness trying to change the team or pick up players. So really, the ownership is seemingly okay with him because he doesn't ruffle any feathers. He listens to the group around him and tries to make everybody happy and doesn't really play to any particular strengths or get aggressive in the market or like as an example a, a, sh- a sign of aggressiveness might be hey let's trade a few of these players now so we can get young players playing and beat some of the teams to the market to gain assets where if you wait to the last minute you know all of a sudden it comes down to that last couple of phone calls and you never know what's going to happen things like that so as you know or remember him in minnesota uh, he left you in cap hell. The Flyers are in cap hell. There's no two ways around it. That is a mark of Chuck Fletcher. So it's going pretty much how you would expect it to go. Yeah, I uh, again getting flashbacks to the uh, the Fletcher tenure to uh, exactly what you guys are talking about. Um, some things never change. <laughs> um, no, it's interesting. You, you know, you talk about the temperature and management temperature versus fan temperature are so diametrically opposed that it's hard to reconcile that in your head that are we living in the same world here? (laughs) You know, I do understand that management has to talk in a certain way because he's their hire, right? So they have to show a certain level of confidence, but just the disparity between what fans think of him and what management says is almost comical to behold. Well, it's, uh, it is interesting just to see how some of these names that uh, that Wild fans got so familiar with over the years are doing now in a uh, different spot. Uh, we will flip it and we'll uh, get some Minnesota Wild questions from Russ and Rachel of the Locked on Flyers podcast after this. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, everything you could possibly need all in one place. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action, you can find everything at Bet Online, where the game starts. Continuing today's episode of Locked On Wild and Locked On Flyers, and we uh, flip things over now to ask some Wild-related questions. So, Russ and Rachel, the floor is yours. I'm an open book. So, talking about Chuck Fletcher and that whole regime with Mike Yo, what is the biggest difference in the wild now versus then? Ah, that's a great question. Um, I think to start off, you know, I I look at Bill Guerin as the GM of this team and it just, it seems like he just has such a vivid like plan and picture for what this roster needs to be. Under Fletcher, it always seemed like he he had the core that Fletcher had the core that he built, and it seemed like you know we're just going to get a bunch of these good players together, and we'll add to it every season, every chance we get to try to kind of tinker and um, and make this roster as good as it can be. Um, things 
plateaued very quickly um, under Chuck Fletcher. And so it seems to me he was a guy that looked more at like, well, we're just going to get this group of players to fit specific roles, whereas Garen is like, having been through winning Stanley Cups and what it takes to make a run to go to a, uh, a Stanley Cup final, he seems very much more like we're bringing this player in because they do this, and that fits with what we're trying to do. Like he just he seems like he has very much more of a specific idea about what each player on the team needs to do. And for Dean Evison, compared to Mike Yo, he he certainly has some things that he does that are similar to uh, to Yo. But I, I think one of the most surprising things to me starting off Dean Evison's tenure was that incident that happened against the Vegas Golden Knights on the road where Zach Parisi was trying to get Marcus Foligno a hat trick, stayed on the ice through his shift, and the Golden Knights ended up tying the game and winning in overtime. Dean Evison, who was just into his full-time head coaching tenure, benched Zach Parisi the game after that and said, this is not how we do things here. Considering how much we know now about the type of control that Parisian Suter had behind the scenes, that's a very, very bold decision for a guy who has just gotten his his coaching tenure started. And that's not the kind of thing that uh, I I don't think Mike Yo would have done something similar in that same situation. Everson just seems like he has a very good a very keen sense of what it takes to get particular players on the roster motivated. And I, I don't know. I know Mike Yo had some of that, but I don't know that he had it to the same level that, uh, that Avison has. You know, he calls, well, he doesn't bench any veterans. I can tell you that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a big change. And, you know, Avison has called out players like Kevin Fiala, who obviously has been on a tear over the, uh, the last few months calls him out publicly for his play because he knows that that's what it's going to take to get more out of him. And so you look at those two compared to Fletcher and Yo, and it just, it seems like they just have a better grasp on what they want this team to do and how to get it out of them than Yo and Fletcher did when they were here. Nope. That's fair. I I could see it. So let's talk Matt Boldy. Um, I'm a big draft guy and I liked him in the draft and, had him as a first rounder. None of that is is anything to really write home about because you could see he was going to be a good player. But I, I saw something out of him in his world juniors that let me know that he could be a star player just the way he was handling the puck, passing the puck, shooting the puck. I was like, okay, he against his own age group was clearly ahead of things. And I don't want to get too far ahead because, you know, again, you bring it up a guy in his rookie year and point of game is not going to last. I get it. But Give me an idea of the impact he's had because that's a team who next year will be in cap hell. But, you know, Kaprizov, Boldy, you know, these guys with a little bit lower salaries can help them at least get through that. Well, it was it was so crazy when Boldy came up because you look at that being the time that Kevin Fiala's numbers started to improve as well. And so not only is he playing well, but. We've seen the chemistry level that Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello have to where it's almost as if they are just two of the same player out there on the ice. They're comp- they're completing these insane passes, crazy goals, because they know 
you know, what the other player is going to be doing pretty much at all times. Fiala and Boldy have developed that, and Boldy just comes in as just this super, super poised player on the ice, and his his puck handling is great. He just he seems like somebody that has an idea at all times of what he wants to do with the puck. And it's it's one thing to be able to fit a pass into a tight window uh, to a, a, a teammate to try to score a goal. It's another thing entirely to, on the power play, be able to navigate through three opponents in a very tight window and not lose the puck. His puck handling might be near the top, if not the top, on the team at this point. He just is so good with the puck. He's so good in those situations of, you know, the the quick quick hitter pass to say Fiala on the other side of the net. He's just he's so good in these situations that it matters most with the puck. And you go with Fiala from a guy who had two defense oriented guys on his line for a majority of the season before Boldy got there, as soon as Boldy got on that line, it was just it's just this level that has completely turned around turned the wild offense into a juggernaut. I don't see any reason to suggest that and yes, he won't he won't end up being a point per game player, but as far as a player that, you know, can can seriously help uh, what this wild offense is doing beyond this year. I see no reason to suggest that it won't continue because all of the things that he's good at are just instinct. And that's not something that you can necessarily teach a player. Just being able to know what to do is huge. Just one follow-up on that. Um, So preseason on like the biggest show I do audience wise, I picked the Minnesota wild to come out of the West and make it to the Stanley cup. And I wonder if you were listening that day preseason what would you have thought of me saying that? You know, I coming into the season, I wasn't sure what to expect from this team per se, because obviously those buyouts are a huge thing that's going to be looming over this team for the next few years. One of the things that I was concerned most about coming into the year is that the Wild had a successful season last year while beating up on teams like the San Jose Sharks, the LA Kings, the Anaheim Ducks. I wondered if the success was mostly because of just playing those teams and beating them every night. And so I figured there would be some regression that uh, you know we might not see as successful of a year, but I still thought the team was going to be a good team, probably in the top half of the Central Division. They caught fire early on and, you know, for a brief moment, were the best team in the Western Conference. And then the injuries started to uh, to kind of catch up with uh, the Wild, who are currently without Matt Dumba, currently without Jordan Greenway. Now, you may think, and I thought, just with how this team has done this all year, next man up. But sometimes you get injuries to players that just you can't replicate what they do on the ice. And so even with the fact that the Wild are in their biggest slump of the season, it still seems like a playoff team to me that could do some damage and, and win a series, maybe win two series, um, depending on how things shake out. But into the season, getting to the Cup Final, I probably would have thought that was a little too high 
for the Wilds, but you know, I was I was fully drinking the Kool Aid when they uh, went nine zero and one to finish off twenty twenty one. Yeah, the Wild have been a little uneven as of late. Uh, lost those back to back games against the Flames, who are a similar style team, I would say, but can execute a little better. So, what do you think the difference maker is there, and and the biggest issues facing the Wild right now? You know, I think. In Calgary, before the Tyler Toffoli trade, we saw a team that was good, but looked like they needed maybe one more piece to really take a jump to that next level. Obviously, since Toffoli, they have been unbeatable. And so, yeah, I I feel like there are a lot of similarities between what what they do and what the Wild do. Um, Obviously, a great team offensively. If, if anything, for the Wild, I think the thing that has let them down recently has been defense and goaltending, and obviously Matt Dumba is a huge part of that. But it's crazy to me that Cam Talbot, and, and I had the numbers when he, uh, over his last nine starts, and he had the one against uh, Calgary at home. So in his last 10 starts, he's four and six, and it's either been like best goaltending you'll ever see in your life when he wins or he's basically a lock to give up five goals. And so the goaltending has been, whereas last year it was very, very even. It wasn't, you weren't getting a shutout every night or like one goal allowed, but the goaltending was so consistent last year that it helped this team, you know, if they gave up two goals, they knew that they were still going to be in the game. But now we've got this stretch where the Wild are giving up four or five goals a night, and even as good of an offense as the Wild have, that's a lot to ask for a team to try to consistently overcome um, five goals allowed. And so that coincides with the, the Canada stretch going up against everybody in Canada. So some of that is, is fixable um, with Dumba going back into the lineup at some point, hopefully soon. But, uh, you know, some of that, too, is the effect that we want to kind of see with the Wild in getting a boost from making a deadline trade to uh, to try to kind of help breathe some life back into this team. So, Ryan Hartman, um, I covered him way back with the Plymouth Whalers. Like, they don't even exist anymore. And, and he was a terrific player. He was a pest, but he could score. He could skate. He could do a lot of things. He was a top six guy. Then, you know, he gets drafted by the Blackhawks. He plays with them turns into like that third line guy. And then when a little bit of the goal scoring tails off, he becomes this fourth line guy sort of trapped in the fourth line. Even the flyers had him, didn't have any idea how to use him. And now all of a sudden with Minnesota, he's back on the power play, which he was always a power play guy back on the power play back to scoring. So what do you think the ultimate difference has been and Hartman, is it usage? Is it confidence? What do you think it is? Yeah, I think there I think there are a few factors at play with Hartman. I think being on a line with Kirill Kaprizov to start the year and a guy who can just create so many good scoring opportunities for his line mates, I think certainly helped. And, you know, you get a few goals going early in the season and that confidence just shoots through the roof. And coming into the year, Hartman himself was a guy who said that he needed to shoot the puck more. And so you put him on a line with Kirill, you're going to get the opportunities to do just that. 
But mm-hmm. he played he played great in that playoff series against Vegas at the end of last year. And so we saw some of that build into this season. Now, recently, I think what we've seen with Hartman and with the Wild in general is you go up against some of those teams like, say, the Colorado Avalanche, Calgary, Toronto, those teams that have those really good top-line centers, you're starting to see Hartman lose a majority of the face-offs that he's in, which has then led to opposing teams being able to kind of play keep away from that uh, that top line. His shot, I think, has started to kind of cool down a little bit as well, and shooting 12 or 13% or whatever he was at early on in the season was not sustainable. That, that wasn't going to be something that would happen throughout the course of the year. Right. And so I think it just has kind of become a scenario where t- opposing teams – look and say, well, we can try our best to to keep up and contend with Kaprizov, try to slow him down. We can try to slow Zuccarello down. Or I think what teams are starting to do is say, let's slow Hartman down and try to throw that line out of whack. And I think we're seeing teams start to attack the centers on this team. The wings are great. The, the Wild have you know their top two lines, their wings, very, very good. And throughout the entire roster, they've got good wings. That center position has been a question mark. And I think teams are, are trying to attack those guys more to, uh, to slow this offense down. And as of the last seven games, it certainly has worked. So the Flyers' power play is tragic in many, many ways. <laughs> but... Looking for an opening here, the wild penalty kill is kind of mid-level in the NHL right now and has struggled a little bit recently. Do you think this is an opening here where maybe the Flyers could get some mojo back on their power play? I I do. Um, The Wild's penalty kill has struggled with one thing pretty much all season. They struggle to clear the puck. Like we we see scrums right down in front of the net and wild players are able to get a stick on the puck and seem to only be able to get it out to the top of the zone where opposing players are waiting. They can gear up and they can uh, can fire off another shot. Loose rebounds have been a big problem recently with the penalty kill, too, as um, it seems like, you know, whether it be Cam Talbot or Capo Kakinen, not as good with simply controlling the puck as they have been last year or even early on this year, which has led to some good rebound opportunities for opposing teams. It has been a concern, I think even more so since Matt Dumba went down. And, you know, we we don't think of Matt Dumba as a great defensive defenseman. He's more of an offense-oriented guy, but he has really taken some strides in that category um, especially this year. And so and he's physical. He'll always blow up plays. Yes. Right. That that is a huge right. part of it too, but yeah, I the special teams, you know, just because the offense has been so wildly uneven over the last probably 10 games, but the power play and the penalty kill really slide under the radar cuz power play wise, they're not scoring on anybody and penalty kill it seems like is is a guaranteed goal every night. So that is definitely a spot for the... I like uh, it. Yeah, that's definitely a spot that the Flyers can take advantage. And on top of that, the Wild have not 
shied away from giving opposing teams uh, no shortage of penalty opportunities. So all of that is a culmination for bad things from a wild perspective, but I think that's certainly something for Philly to, uh, to key in on. So one last thing for me, um, you know, you talked about the goaltending and short of trying to trade for Marc-Andre Fleury, which, you know, Garen might try and do, uh, he knows him, but you have Kakin in there and, and he's very good. His, his stats are better than Talbot. I mean, I certainly know Talbot. I've covered him a long time. Why isn't he getting more of a role in seeing if he's just ready to be the hot goalie and go with that rather than try and deal more assets and get a flurry where you could maybe get another defenseman and short things up there or get a center and short things up there. Yeah, that, that's that. I'm glad you asked that question because this is one that I've been trying to kind of get to the bottom of myself. Um, I don't know. And obviously the name speaks for itself. I don't know how much of an upgrade Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be over what the Wilds currently have because you're asking this question of how much of his overall numbers and his underlying numbers are results of being on the Chicago Blackhawks this year. Mm -hmm. Is it some regression on his part with how old he is? Is it some of his teammates not playing well? It's I'm right with you. I I would rather just see Kakinen get the um, get the the nod as kind of the starter, and just go with that for the rest of the year. Talbot is you know he's a veteran guy, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of what is going on is the team just wants to give him an opportunity to try to fight out of it. I think, and I was I was looking at this the other night, and I think. Part of it comes down to it seems like when Capo is in and is is in net, he just does such a better job tracking the puck and not reacting too quickly. He's faster post to post than Talbot at this point. Yeah, and I think some of his, you know, some of that I I think stems from the confidence of how well he's played this year. Whereas it seems like Talbot is stuck in between trying to kind of anticipate what's coming. As mm-hmm. opposed to simply staying back and reacting to, you know, react to the shot when it happens. As opposed to, if you've got a player on each on either side of you, and you commit to one and they pass to the other, and he's able to just tip it in for the wide open net, that obviously is going to look really bad. Whereas if you just wait and trust your instincts, I think that's part of the big problem for Talbot. Obviously, there are there are other things I'm sure, but. Um, it just seems like a confidence thing. And, you know, kickers in the NFL, pitchers mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball, golfers, there, there are no shortage of, of athletes throughout sports who suffer from lack of confidence, and it really impacts their game. Yeah, Talbot's better if he comes in and tries to steal the number one spot as the backup than being the number one. And I still would put him in that position now, knowing that, hey, ace in the hole, I could always fall back on that yeah I I like that I I like that theory um I I just I would like to see Capo get much uh get more of the starts because you know Talbot's contract is done I believe not after next year but the year after that and Jesper Wallstead will be should be ready by that point he'll be ready by that yeah to take over and so you're going to need somebody who can maybe help him out for a year get him uh get him ready to take over the starts full time after that so that I think would be a perfect spot for uh, for Capo if he can continue to continue to build off of what he's been doing 
and if the Wild continue to give him um, plenty of opportunities. Well, that was really excellent information across the board about the Minnesota Wild. Again, it's just a team that's there, but Flyers fans don't get a ton of opportunity to hear about. And Seth, that was tremendous. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys for uh, for hopping on and uh, appreciate being able to chat um, hockey in general. But uh, if there are Minnesota Wild ties, obviously uh, happy to talk about those as well. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Wild. A big thank you to Rachel and Russ for swinging by for the crossover edition of today's show. Once you're done with your uh, first listen today of Locked on Wild, make sure to head over to Locked on Flyers for some more intel on the Philadelphia Flyers ahead of tonight's matchup. Also, make sure to follow Locked on Wild wherever you listen to your podcasts. And on social media as well, check out the Locked on Madness bracket going on now on the Locked on Wild Twitter feed. Make sure to cast your votes to help us determine the best Wild player ever. We will keep you up to date on all things Minnesota Wild with new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked on Podcast Network.